an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to Nerds Podcast number 670. I'm here with Katie and Kyle. Yo. What's going on, you guys? Good. Kyle. Yeah? There's a corkboard. There is. That I'm picturing. It is a community corkboard of the nerdist variety, and if anyone wants to have their event or thing uh, promoted, they could email events at nerdist.com or comment in the podcast threads this on nerdist.com. Sounds vaguely accurate. So, you know, if if I were going to be a nerdist community corkboard, what? Let's just say, like, what type of thing would be pinned on me digitally? Uh, I was looking at, let's see, it's so covered in stickers and uh, yeah. ads for babysitters. And dog walkers. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we've got a, a podcast uh, called Caustic Soda uh-huh. that I'm fascinated by at this point. It is about science and how it's trying to kill you. Ah, They nice. pick a topic because nature and the scientific world is full of things that will end our fragile human lives at any moment. Yep. And they go through the science of how it's coming after you and how you're going to die from it. Sounds fantastic. I'm real into it because they've found a way to make education terrifying. So uh, looking to another quadrant of the corkboard, would we see something else there? Uh, yeah. Uh, so sometimes you have... Uh, 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 blogs on the web, like some sort of log for the web. Mm-hmm. I did this backwards. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there's a, a, a one that a, a nice gentleman named Kevin Wilson does that's really neat. It's called myshuffledlife.com. Yep. And he uh, puts together playlists from the random shuffle of all of his eclectic music tastes. And then not only puts together the playlist, but then writes an essay about whatever the shuffled tracks remind him of is from points in his life. Nice. So it's a really cool. It's it's both sharing music and also like memories and doing some prose writing. Sharing music, sharing right. memories. It's, it's a super interesting uh, it's Sort of page. a diary into this man, a he musical diary. has like a mean imaginary reader that he does. So he sort of breaks the fourth wall in his blog. Because even blogs are self-aware. <laughs> Everything's self-aware yeah, now. It'll kill us all. Yep. And then they'll do science podcasts about how it killed us. How it killed us. Yeah, exactly. So it all loops back around. Well done, Kyle Clark. At Kyle Clark Clark is is rad rad. on Twitter. Yeah. What are you... Are you doing any shows? I've actually got a bunch of stuff going. Uh, I'm actually going on tour at the end of May. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, for for a week. I'm uh, on tour with a guy named McQueen. Uh We're going to be in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and Athens, Georgia, and uh, North Carolina. Nice. Yeah, so it's my first tour ever. You're doing the stand-em-ups? Yeah, the stand-em-ups. Nice job. He does does an hour, and so I'm doing a half an hour out in front of him. Nice work. If you search a McQueen Adams, he's uh, uh, out there on the internet, and I'm the support tour for that tour. It's called the Ginger Corvette Tour. Fantastic. Yeah, so I've got that. I've got my podcast, This Is Ran. Yeah. We're about to have our 50th episode where we did a... uh, uh, Finally played D&D, because it's the most requested thing. I had never played D&D before. How's that possible? See... 
I, I, the fantasy and that stuff was never where I rolled with with things. I was more the horror movies and the now the, the twenty sided dice is yeah. what you roll. Yeah. Can we talk for a minute about how bullshit four sided dice is? The little pyramid, <laughs> the guy? pyramid guy. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. And then you've got to have a stat, and you're really hoping that something's going to come up, and it never, nothing good happens. It should make a wonk sound. Yeah. Well, you need to you need so, to figure out how to roll that shit. So better. that's coming out in a few weeks. So I'm real proud of that. I do that with Matthew Burnside. Excellent. Uh, another part of the Nerdist fam. Well, fantastic. So, Kyle Clark is yeah. rad. And my oh and my. My record just came back out. Jonah Ray re-released my album. Oh, Thanks Jesus Christ. Look, I've been trying to keep busy. All right, good. <laughs> I'm going to die. No, you're fine. I'm just tr- I learned it from you. <laughs> uh, Parents do you, who overwork do have kids who overwork. <laughs> sleep. What? Sleep? It's, sleep? The blood transfusions are sleep? starting to work, but what? not fast enough. Sleep? I'm having to kill younger and younger people. <laughs> I'll be on my retaining my youth tour. Oh, find wayward street teens and I, I absorb their essence. I shouldn't hear screaming when I close my eyes. <laughs> but oh my god, I have so many things to plug. After a while, it becomes like a lullaby. I just say it's you with nails in his head going, "We have such plugs to show you." <laughs> <laughs> The Sweet Suffering. Where are you going next for the Fun Comfortable Tour? Um, Boston, New York, then Milwaukee, Detroit, then um, Philly, D.C., I believe. Is, is, is you know what you should do one day there? when you've got like a big list? Bonnaroo? Of All right, Chris, I'm going to be honest with you. What? I'm a little jealous. That's like one of my show business dreams. Really? Is to one day do Bonnaroo. Because I've, I've been to Bonnaroo many a time. Well, I'm doing, and, I'm doing I, think I, I think I might be, am I headlining Bonnaroo? I think I might be. <laughs> no, there are, but but I but I think you got some big font on there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, have I, you ever? I, been am before? I headlining all of Bonnaroo? They're just <laughs> you're. Oh, Bell and Sebastian's going to open That's for me. That's a good pairing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that'd actually be a viable tour you should look into. <laughs> Do you just have them on stage? Waitress. You tell a couple of jokes. They play a couple of songs. Mm-hmm, yeah, you should set that up. That, that seems like a good time. I'd pay for that ticket. Bell and Sebastian Hardwick. Yeah, Bell and Sebastian Hardwick. It's like Modesty Martin and Wood. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. I like it. I mean, I haven't asked them yet. It's gonna be good. But let's just say that they they've agreed to it already. <laughs> they have. I haven't asked them yet. I mean, I mean, this is this sounds like consent to me. This episode is my old friend Dave Holmes, Ooh. who I knew back from the music television days. Part of that mafia. Dave is a lovely, lovely guy, and I am so glad that I'm friends with him. And he's uh, he has such warmth and depth of character, which you will hear in this episode of the podcast. His show is American Canvas, which is on Ovation. Uh, you can check lo- local listings for times, but uh, Dave's a good bet for for any show. Dave is a really good bet to go to go check him out, watch him on TV, or see him perform live. Nurse Podcast number six seventy with Dave Holmes. Now entering nerdist.com. In we're the flesh. S- we're still around. I know. After all these years, M- MTV didn't kill us. I know. We survived. We did survive. Like <laughs> Where's we Jesse Camp though? I don't know. Okay. I do know. I get asked that. At, not every day of my life anymore, but once a week for sure. You can ask me about Jenny McCarthy if you. Want. Okay. Oh God, yeah. That must that must have fucking followed you around for how long? Like how long? Multiply was it your Jesse Camp day? question by a hundred. Yeah. Uh, I still get it. 
Yeah, I'm sure you do. Still, still, still. Yeah. That was uh, it's a long time ago. Yeah, you've certainly moved on. But I don't things. <laughs> but it's still as have I. But it will still like that will always be a thing. It will always be a thing that he will come up. Yeah, Jesse Camp will come up every single day. Of my life. You know, and it's funny. I uh, I um, when I first moved out here, I ran into Howard Kramer. You know Howard Kramer. Kramer. Yeah, and uh, and I was a huge fan of Austin stories. It's a great uh, show. It was a fucking great show. And I love Chip Pope. And uh, so I was talking to Howard for a while. And I was like, how, how is Chip Pope? And he was like, you know what? I get asked about that guy every single day. And I was like, it, just, it never occurred to me that like, he might go through the same thing. Well, like, I'll tell I you. Guess, I went to Disneyland with Chip a couple weeks ago. Really? Yeah. I had a, I had a, group, had a group of people. And Chip, Chip was there uh, with yeah. my friend April Richardson, who oh, you probably God. also know. Love her. And uh, she's one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Chip's... Chip and ha- like everyone on that show, Chip and Howard and Laura House uh-huh. were are individually individually hilarious, yeah, and together even more hilarious, yeah. But I love, I always loved, uh, and and also completely unique styles mm-hmm. of comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I I I enjoy all. Of them. I can't believe that that show happened at all. Well, MTV you know, was di- MTV was different. I mean, MTV every so often would. Tr- I mean, like you know, they tr- they did Human Giant. Like mm-hmm. every so often, mm-hmm. they do try to do something cool, right? And then eventually, I think they just buckle from the weight of their tween audience, right? Right. Um, so uh, when like what were your years? We never overlapped, did we? Mm, almost. I think we just barely didn't. I was ninety four to ninety eight. Oh yeah, I was ninety eight to mm-hmm. two thousand two. It was like a right. The year that I my last year there saw the uh, I saw you you come in uh-huh. Carson Daly came in uh-huh. and uh, I think that's right around when TRL started yep. maybe and that makes um, sense yeah when they opened the new studio yeah and they opened the new studio mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so it was it was okay. mid mid to late nineties yeah what a crazy what was what your experience time. like uh, I mean utterly bizarre because I mean I was literally like overnight plucked from a regular job job into what was the job job i was in advertising what yeah you do kind of have a madman thing going. i do right Mm -hmm. it's the glasses uh i yeah i worked i moved in uh i moved to new york in 94 and from 94 to 98 worked in advertising and i uh hated it and was terrible at it but like was able to talk my way into jobs and then not (laughs) be able to do them and make assistance to them um which is actually kind of the industry standard but uh, but I, I called in sick and I, I went to their, you know, I stood in line and went to the audition and like, I ended up getting a job. So like I, I was, I didn't have any intermediate steps. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't, I didn't do anything like that was sort of similar, but smaller before it was just like, uh, I had a job and then two weeks later I had a show. What was, what was your VJ audition? Uh, it was, it was the first want to be a VJ and it yeah. was, but like what we had to do, we, uh, I stood in line for hours and there were like a bunch of audition stations, I think, to kind of weed people out. And uh, ooh, the six, very nice. So the six, six plus, six plus. Come on, Chris Hardwick, I you're know. doing great. Actually, I bought this uh, case Lucky with the there. haunted mansion uh, wallpaper on it. Love it. When I was at Disneyland with Chip, that's and, fantastic. And April, I just bought the watch. You, I, you know, I wasn't going to. Matt Myra texted me and he was like. Are uh, you going to get the watch? And I go, you know, I'm going to wait because yeah. I don't like to wear stuff on my arm. And yeah. then, uh, and he was like, yeah, I know. But, and I had read a couple of articles that where, you know, the people were like, it seems really cool. But then the undertone was, doesn't do a lot yet. But wait. Yeah. Wait for the next so one. So, of course, 
what did I do? I immediately went to the Apple website and bought. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> I bought the one with the um, with the uh, the old timey watch bracelet. Ooh, you know, nice. like the the silvery. Yeah. Where when uh-huh. you just slide it on, like uh-huh. I, I, of course I, I got that one. Nice. I got the uh, I got the swatch looking one, like with the kind of plasticky band. You know we're gonna wear those for a week. I think I will wear it for more because I will use it for like you know fitness tracking and and heart yeah. rate monitoring and all that kind of shit. Because what's gonna happen is there we're gonna buy the first generation, uh-huh. and then the second gen watch is gonna do a shit ton of oh, stuff of course. that the first one doesn't do. And exactly like, like the fucking it. iPad. I got the first iPad as a gift, and thank God I got it as a gift because if I spent my own money on it, I'd be furious. Because six months later, <laughs> there was a new one with a fucking camera on it that did all kinds of good stuff. And the first so, one didn't do. So your so your uh, your VJ audition. So my audition, was, yeah. One, I, so one of you VJ. There were like there were twelve audition stations, and you had to like read a cue card or something. And then I guess if they liked you, then they then you went off to like a room to the side where like Rod Asa. Remember yeah, Rod I Asa? remember. I still see Rod from time to time. Oh, yeah? He was a talent producer over yeah. at, at MTV. Yeah, and Karen Poznatsky. I don't know if you ever worked with her. I'm Amanda sure I met her. And was uh, was Robin Reinhardt there at sure. the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. been there. Uh, but yeah, it was Rod and Karen and uh, and Amanda in a room, and there, and I guess that was sort. Of like an instant callback kind of a deal mm-hmm. and uh yeah and then they just you know ask questions and you had to talk into a camera and stuff it was just very strange i and i had no i honestly had no intention i mean i i would you know i went in hoping they would put me on the air but i was like they're not gonna put me on the air i just thought i could like go in there and meet some people and get some business cards and see if i could like get a pa job or something yep. i was at the stage where i was like doing improv at night and i was starting to perform a little bit more and and I just I knew that I wasn't satisfied with my day job. And it's I thought, advertising. It's advertising. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I didn't like it, and I was like, I'm fucking 26. I'm living in New York City. I can do anything I want. I don't have any. I don't have like kids. I don't have anybody depending on me. I don't have like student loans or anything. So like, what the? Why am I doing a thing I hate? You know. <laughs> so so I thought maybe I'd be able to make like some kind of lateral move or whatever. But it, it ended up working out. So uh, so yeah. So then I. I uh, I talked to them for like an extra half hour or whatever. And I remember seeing Jesse there and thinking like, who is this beautiful young woman who, because he was like gorgeous and like high cheekbones (laughs) and beautiful hair. You know what I mean? I just thought he was some like funky East Village model type of person. And, uh, and I remember seeing him, but I didn't, I didn't get to talk to him or whatever. And then they had until Tuesday at midnight to like tell you if you'd made the top 10 and they called it like, you know, in true MTV fashion at like 1158. Sure. And uh, yeah, and then it was just like a series of weird like stunts and challenges and shit for the rest of the week on live TV. I had to like tell my bosses at work that I wasn't sick and that I'm going to be on TV for the rest of the week. (laughs) I'm TV sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, they were only too happy to watch me go. I was very bad at my job. Okay. (laughs) I was really fucking bad at my job. I was really bad at my job. Can I tell, okay, can I tell you something before I forget it? Please. Uh, I showed up late because I went to the wrong place. I went to to uh, to Mount. Understandable. Which is apparently a common problem. And on the way here, I'm like whipping in and out of traffic, right? Because I'm I'm like I'm late and I'm angry at myself and, and the whole thing. And uh and somebody at like in one of the side streets on uh, on Santa Monica just like pulls out in front of me without looking. Yeah. Totally cuts me off. I have to slam on my brakes. And then you know how like I don't know if you do this, but like I have to see the person who has cut me off. Yeah. Always do you, I have to now, see their do dumb you, face. Do you, do you see do you want to see them just out of curiosity or do you want to see them to like gorilla stare them down? Both. Okay. Both. Both. So I went and I, and I was like, who is, the, who is the idiot who just cut me off? And I pulled up alongside them. It was an actual clown. What? It was a man in full clown makeup. So technically a hundred clowns. Yes. Because yeah, they're yeah. all in the That's car. exactly what we said on the way here. Yeah, it was full of his friends. It was like a tiny little Corolla. I got cut off 
by an actual literal clown. Did you say, fuck you, you fucking clown? No, like, I didn't. Did... I roared with laughter. That's fantastic. Which I think is probably a good part of that man's day, if he's driving around dressed like a clown. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, maybe it's uh, he's a cutsy the traffic clown. Like, he just <laughs> yeah, goes around yeah. and cuts people off, and then yeah. when they try to road rage, they're like, yeah. oh, who could be mad at a clown? I'm yeah. more afraid than I am mad. Did you ever do a, a comedy uh, uh, traffic class or whatever? Did I ever teach one or, or go to no, one? No, I've never. I, I didn't go to one. I didn't teach one. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like a fucking nightmare I, on I, both ends. On both ends. Yes, exactly right. You have to. I mean, I, I feel bad for the comics who have to stand there for eight hours mm-hmm. and, and have to try to make that funny for eight hours. Yeah. And I also feel bad for people who have to sit through that for eight I don't, I don't want to sit. I wouldn't want to have an orgasm for eight hours. No. I certainly wouldn't want to sit through traffic school for eight hours. No. So I, I just don't uh, – I don't think it sounds that fun. No, not at all. I had to do an online traffic class. I had the choice of comedy that's traffic class or online. online. It is, but even that's kind of boring because well, you, of of, you have to sit there and – You sort of do. I mean, you, do. you know, as long as the window is open and it's playing yeah. and it's timing you. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can you can open another browser yeah. and flick through yeah. stuff in a different way or walk But there around. are tests you have to take. You do have to pay some – little bit of attention now is it bad to take online traffic school while you're driving (laughs) it's probably (laughs) it's probably bad form (laughs) what was your audition like my audition was um my first audition was for this show trashed Uh uh-huh which i remember trash trashed was trying to build off the remote control sketch comedy game show thing and so the uh, premise of it is that people would bring on their personal items and then through if they didn't answer you know like trivia like the, the other team they would get to pick something from the other teams to destroy mm-hmm. and this guy came out with these elaborate machines which were mostly designed by joel hodgson of mystery science theater yeah um would uh you know would break their stuff and then there would be sketches and you know and, and, and as i've said before it was a it was a really amazing like our writing staff was um uh, Steve Higgins, who's now, of course, head, was head, yeah. head writer on SNL and Alan Fallon, and his brother Dave Higgins, and then Dave Allen Gruber, the Higgins boys and Gruber, and uh-huh. uh, Brian Posehn, uh, Doug Benson, um, uh, people like uh, Dana Gould and Odenkirk and yeah. Dave Cross and Patton, like all these people, Margaret Cho, like all these, Gene wow. Garofalo, all these people did stuff on the show. So it was a really, because they were all baby comics at the time. Yeah. And so um, it was a real, they say Dana Gould, Dana too. It was yeah. just a really good. It's a really good group. So I auditioned for that on a fluke. Um, I had been a contestant on a game show, and then someone was like, "Oh, you're funny. You should audition for this show, tra- this show, uh-huh. Trash." And it was just like right time. Like they were desperate to find a host. They started, you know, like next week went into rehearsals, and they just hadn't found the person yet. Yeah. And I just came in at the right time, and then they canceled that show within a few months in classic MTV form. Uh huh. But they said. You know, they had me do a VJ audition. Yeah. And I went to New York and, you know, it was very, it was the fanciest thing that had ever happened to me. And uh-huh. I go into my gas station t shirt and oh God, my of course, big it's 1994. What else are you going to do? Chains a blazing. And, sure. You know, like, and, and that, those were there's not a, the there's a patch with a name on it. It's not your name. It's not my name. It's not Come my name. Come on. Uh, but I, <laughs> I think in that period, I actually bought one. I bought a mechanic shirt from Alaska Airlines yeah. that said Jennifer on it, and that uh-huh. always made me laugh. Fantastic. But um, uh, I did not pick these clothes. They were given to me because I was, uh, I, I did not, I was not a cool dresser. Yeah. So uh, I was not with the times. Uh, right. As, as, I, as I've said a million times before, I was a very nerdy kid, and I just didn't really, it just wasn't my right. thing. So uh, 
it, it was basically a series of copy that they had me do on the set, which uh-huh. blew me away. And it was, you know, like introducing fucking Allison Chains Jeez, and that was loud. Yeah, that was that was water. That was just that was, water, uh, guys. Uh, introducing introducing your classic grunge uh-huh. grunge era bands. Yeah. Nice so I have that tape ugly somewhere. Ugly Kid Joe, perhaps. I don't know if it was Ugly Kid Joe. There was some, some group called Big Mountain and Allison oh, Chains yeah. and like Maybe I, I love your way. I have uh I have that tape. I should push that tape out. You should. Because that was the that was yeah. It wasn't the first thing I did on camera, but it was it was early, early, early on. Yeah. So that was my experience. And then they sent me to the beach house that summer. Oh wow, yeah. Which was a very sedate experience. It was not the crazy no. beach house I had believed no. from television. No, I my big surprise because uh, my first thing was the the beach house as well. I really thought we were going to live there. Like I thought <laughs> it was like a real house, and we were all going to live there. And like it, it, you know, if you think about that for more than a second, you realize, of course, you're not going to fucking live there. But I just had never thought about it for more than a second. And then I got there, and it was like, well, no, of course, this is this is not a real. I mean, it's a house, yeah, but it's you know, it's, it's on lockdown. Fake. Like yeah. they got a you know, it's like it's basically like a set inside. Yeah, it it's is not, a set inside. It's not uh, fun. Uh, I had been on actually. Um, speaking of MTV game shows, like six months before Want to Be a VJ, I was on Idiot Savants. Oh, yeah, of course. With uh, Greg Fitzsimmons. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that writing staff was, like, I clicked with that whole writing staff just because, like, that was a, a show where, like, you would do, if you were a contestant, you were a contestant all week. Yep. So you're there for, like, a whole day of shows and a whole day of prep beforehand and whatever. And that writing staff was uh, Jason Nash, uh-huh. uh, Tom Cohen, wow. who went on to create Cash Cab, uh, Emmy Laybourne. Mm hmm. Uh, who's now a novelist, um, uh, whose brother Sam is like a huge TV producer now. Um, who else? Uh, Matt Price? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, Price, Nash, and Blyde. Bl- Bl- yeah. Price, Nash, and Blyde. I just yeah, saw yeah. Mike Blyden the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, who's uh, directed a, a, an FX series for Dennis Leary. Like, yeah. everyone's... It's interesting how... We're all circling each other <laughs> endlessly, and, orbiting. And MTV was philosophically the internet before people were doing production in the internet. Yeah. In the sense that it was like, you're not going to get paid a lot. People are going to treat you like shit. Yeah. But it's experience and it's exposure. So right. just show people what you can do. And the turnover rate, of course, was very high. Because right. people would work at MTV. But I always found that it was much more beneficial to be um, not on camera to quickly move on to other things. When when I was at MTV, it was very not a lot of people had made the jump over to not MTV. Yeah, we weren't really taken very seriously as like, oh, it's fucking MTV people. That obviously right. changed. It did a little. It did a little. I mean, not a whole lot of people who have, were on air have graduated to other. Th- I mean, some have. You know, Carson's done really well. Well, Paulie Jamie made the Faye's jump. Really Dan well. Cortez, right. Jenny, yeah. Carmen. Right. Um, uh, who else? I'm sure I'm forgetting other people. Um, well, I mean, Colin Quinn, Sandler. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they didn't. They made. Kari Wurr. Kari Wurr. Um, I never see. God, I was so in love with Kari Wurr when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And then I met her, and she was super cool and kind of flirty, of and it just Aww. it was like oh. I mean not 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 like serious. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't it was like cool. I not like I had a shot, but yeah. it was just, I don't know. It was just really cool. Like it really when I actually got to be around the MTV people, it was really it was really fun. Yeah, you know who I hang out with when I uh, am in New York is Duff. 
We never worked together. Oh, my God. Duff. We never overlapped. Karen Duffy. Yeah. She's the fucking coolest. She's the coolest. I don't think I've ever met her. Oh, my God. You would love her. She is so cool. She's just one of those people who, like, knows everybody. Like, she's kind of... She's like... She's like the mayor of New York. Like, when you... If you go anywhere with her, just, like, you are whisked to the best table in the place. And, like, people love her. And she's just... She's cool. She's just... Like beautiful and cool and connected. I've never, and I, I've never I really, met her. I always liked. She's the um, bees knees. I was like Daisy Fuentes was there when sure. I started. Uh, she was always very nice. John Norris was very nice to me. Chris mm-hmm. Connolly, who yeah, I loved. Chris, we would have lunch every once in a while. Such a smart dude, and had a different hairstyle. Like in every sure. every couple months, would ha- would do something. Which I was always jealous of because we had that same stringy white guy hair. Right. So you have a you have a good thick head of madman hair. Thanks, thanks, um, man. And uh, and but with stringy white guy hair, there's only right. so much you can do with it. Kyle Clark will tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. This yeah. is what we have. John, yeah, John Norris. Like every three months, would come out with just like it was like almost like a Lego thing. Like yeah. it was just like a completely new look and feel and color. Yeah, throughout his career. Yeah. So you R- reliably you, every three months. Did you enjoy? Jesse won the thing, right? He won the thing. Yeah. But you went on to work more. Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, because like I, I learned very quickly. I, I, I started with a writing gig, and then I was just around the halls. And like at the beginning of the summer programming, you know, season or whatever, they would just sort of like pilot ideas that they would want to do at the beach house. And so like they were always trying things out and doing little test tapes and whatever. And so I was just I was there, and I think people had like had kind of a fond feeling for me because of the contest, and and because I think I you know. You and I both, I think, are very much like the people who work behind the scenes at MTV. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're like nerdy, passionate, you know, pop culture people who aren't like, you know, who who weren't on the cover of a magazine and don't go to fashion right. shows and you know what I mean? And so so I feel like there people there were there was a long line of like guys like us on the air. You yes. know what I mean? That that the producers gravitated towards because they knew that we could get the work done and they just sort of, you know, probably saw themselves in us and whatever. So because of that I was around and I just I got pulled in on various test tapes and one of them one of them became a, a pilot that became a show and, and that was kind of that. And it was it started at the beach house. So I was I was working at my old job, like getting my files in order and getting shit ready for my successor and, and, and all that shit until like like two, three in the morning. And then I, I went home and a town car picked me up at my apartment and took me to the, uh, to the Jersey shore, to the beach house. And like funk master flex was spinning. And then like there was whatever, like workout dance show was on you the air at the time out of an advertising I, office into the, into, into MTV. an advertisement. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> right. Uh, out of the frying pan into the fire, literally into the fire for years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy. And it just like, and you know, also like if you're there and you're ready to work and you show up on time and you know your lines and whatever, like they, people want to work with you. It's very, it's very simple. It's really, it's easy to like, it's easy to get in people's good graces by just doing the basics of your job and not being a nightmare person. Because a lot of the people, you know, especially like a lot of the interns and a lot of producers, a lot of the assistant producers, we were all around the same age. Yeah. And it just, you know, we were sort of lucky enough to, I mean, even when I started, I was 22. Wow. So it, you know, we were just the same, I was just the same age as like the, the, the PAs and the interns and stuff. Right. So I was like, oh, I'm just gonna hang out with these people. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it was th- th- that, that part was real fun, but, but they, uh, they were, they were, uh, very much overworked. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and very much underpaid. And very much underpaid and very underappreciated. Underpaid. Them, but a lot of them would. I mean, the, the the benefits working MTV is that you could ascend the ranks quickly. Like you could be a PA 
And then literally within three years, you could be running a division. Like, oh, yeah. Because people would leave so much and yeah. go take better paying jobs. Right. And things were always changing. And, and you, like, you sort of need to be 26 to, like, to be kind of a bigwig there. You know? Yeah. To like, run a production department. You kind of have to understand what young people want to watch and, and like, listen to and that kind of thing. Like, there's, there's a, a specific skill set that a young person has that they can do well there, you know? Uh, let me ask you a weird personal question. Sure. Were you out at that time? I was. I was, but I was also super fat. So, like, it's <laughs> it's like they balance each other out. Like, it is amazing how much, like, how much you can get away with saying and doing. And, like, if you don't, if you're not, like, if you're not, you know... You know, like if you're not like a stereotypical gay guy and you're not like fuckable or whatever, <laughs> it's really easy to fly under the radar. So I was, I was out, but nobody paid a bit of attention. You found it was the, the craziest you found thing. A weird safety crack. I really did. That's that's my advice to anybody who's like struggling with the closet. Just fucking gain thirty pounds and you, you can do whatever you want. You can blow a dude on camera. And people will be like, I don't, I don't this know what that guy's, guy's doing. Great. Yeah, look at this bit he's doing. Yeah. Uh, it's the God's honest truth. It, it's the it's God's just, honest truth. You know, because MTV, I always felt, straddled this very interesting line between, you know, they. I, I think MTV wanted to be more progressive than it actually was. Mm-hmm. I felt like there were a lot of things about it that were... Kind of a charade, and and I do believe that you know the executives, you know certainly uh, people like Judy McGrath were very uh, progressive, oh, yeah. thinking and very, and, and I think you know they were constrained a bit by their the sort of the corporate thing of it all, yeah. But but I always sort of felt like they, you know, starting with oh the beach house isn't really a party, it's a set. Yeah. And then, oh, they MTV a- acts like they're very progressive, but uh-huh. then I would see things happen that were not progressive. The the big example, which I'm sure I've talked about before, was that we did uh, two gay episodes of Singled Out, uh-huh. and they were the fucking best episodes yeah. of the entire series because, you know, it, it was at a time where. Um, uh, and, and not like you know, not not like all boundaries have been broken yet mm-hmm. because they're you know they're still narrow-minded people in the world. Yeah. But but at the time, you, people just didn't put a lot of gay people on television at once. And so right. to see a dude picking from fifty dudes mm-hmm. and a lady picking from fifty ladies, and we did two episodes of those, and it was the energy in the room. It was such a. You know, it was it was it was like a pride parade. Like yeah. people were like finally being embraced. But and so the episodes were great, and I was very excited, and I felt like we were doing something really good and something uh-huh. cool. And then, um, you know, M- MTV you know won an award for 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 being uh, progressive, and and then uh, and then like sponsors threatened to pull, and they fucking didn't air one of the episodes, and they only really? had the other one once, and they buried it. And I was always so disappointed. I'm like, fuck you guys. You took the award. Yeah. Like, fucking have some balls and fucking show the goddamn thing. Yeah. I would love to dig those episodes up somewhere. They were so, at least my memory of them was that they were absolutely incredible. I would love to see them now because they're, you know, 20 years old. I would just love to see, like, how things have changed in 20 years. Because, like, you you know, did you have to be. Did you have to use like euphemisms or? or? Well, we used the same euphemisms we used. Oh yeah, you know, like the whole show was built around euphemisms. So it was, uh, 
you know, it was, it was just that it just happened to be that it was, you know, that they the euphemisms were were um, uh, the the sexuality shifted, but that was right. only in the inference of the euphemism. The euphemisms were the same. Yeah, yeah. It's just that you know, package was being picked by a dude, uh-huh. and and boob size is being picked by a woman. And right. They were, the shows were great. Yeah. So yeah, you got to find that shit. I I don't know where. Yeah. The, 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 there was a period of MTV that is just it was like. It was like right before the internet really uh-huh. became a viable source to uh, um, of of video entertainment. Uh-huh. There's just a whole bunch of stuff that just didn't quite make the cut, and right. and all these tapes are just in a vault somewhere. Yeah, they're on a barge, like you know, floating in the Hudson River somewhere. Like I would love to see because like some stuff has made its way to YouTube uh, that I did, and it's it's crazy to like and you know. I hope this doesn't sound like terrible and jaded or whatever, but like, I'm sure you'll agree there. Have you had the experience of like watching something and just having no recollection of having done it? Like, oh yeah. It's crazy Cause it's like, that's my face and voice. You know, like I, I can, that is hundred percent me. I have no recollection of much of the stuff that I've found. Well, online. because in the, because when you're gorilla shooting everything, mm-hmm. not gorilla, gorilla. Yeah. When you're uh, gorilla shooting everything, you don't have time to think about it. Mm hmm. And so it doesn't – unless something insane happens, it just doesn't make an impression in your brain because you're, you're living in your short-term memory. Right. And you're, it's just all – this, but you just, you're, you're constantly like shucking it out to right. pull in the new and you, right. yeah, I completely I, understand that. I also think I was living in shock for about a year and a half. I think the first year and a half, I literally like – I think there was something – like I think it altered my brain chemistry. Did like it change your life? Did so, you feel the, the oh, change in your life? In every way, yeah. I mean just – you know, fundamentally, the, the, the act of doing something that you really love to do, which up to that point I had never really done. Like everything that I had done in like radio or on stage or whatever felt to me like a hobby and I never – I just never I'm dumb and I just never figured out that I can do what I love for a living. It yeah. just didn't that that didn't connect for me. I just I always mentally connected work with with, you know, struggle and toil and, you know, not liking it like you're supposed to put on a tie and go do a thing you hate and then come back home. I don't know why, but I thought that. So, like to go into a place that's full of people who love what they do and you love what you do and it's exciting and it's always changing and whatever. Like that's that fundamentally just changes your whole outlook on life. Of course, you know. But then also it was like you know, you go out and, I mean, you know, like people will just sort of stare at you or point at you <laughs> or, t- or talk about you in the third person right in front of you like you're on a television, but you're not. Right, you're right. a person right. that's a foot away from them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So in like in those ways, it changed my life. But it also like I had, a, I had a good, you know, I lived in New York. I had a good group of friends that stayed the same. We all lived together and we had, you know, like my, my, my like – like social milieu didn't really change. My, the, the producers and stuff that I worked with at MTV became good friends of mine, but I didn't, it wasn't like suddenly going to glamorous cocaine parties or whatever. <laughs> no, I wasn't know? either. It, especially in LA, it was very, New York was really the place to be. Right. That, for in those sure. days you worked for MTV. For sure. But there's not one person that I know that if I say to them the name Dave Holmes, they don't go, I love that guy. Oh, that's nice. Like you, you have such a great, you have such a great reputation for Thank just you. being a good dude that oh, people cool. like to hang out with. Oh, which, thanks. That's very nice. Well, it's very important. I mean, I'm okay. not saying you did this for your career, right? But it's you know, PAs, interns, whatever. Those people remember what what people around them are like to work with, and yeah. when they go on to do other things, they're gonna go, "Oh yeah, Dave was great. Yeah. Let's bring him in on this oh, thing." Well, that's nice. It, and it's crazy. And again, you'll you'll agree, I'm sure. Uh, people that were PAs when you started working are now, you know like running businesses, yeah, you know, or, or you'll see somebody like, I get this a lot of like, 
Um, somebody would be like, oh, I grew up watching you. And they're like, grown Oh, up. adults. They're yeah. up. They're 100%. Up. They're grown I watched up. you when I was nine. Yeah. What? Yeah. What, oh. you, what does that mean? Yeah. And I'm in your office now. <laughs> it's weird. It's very, very weird. It's a very weird thing. <laughs> I watched you when I was a kid. Now I have kids of my own. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, too real. Oh, too real. much too real. I know it was a long time ago. Yeah. But I feel like... You know, for whatever reason, both of us are better versions of ourselves now than oh, we were 100%. than we were then. How do one hundred? How, how did you how did you achieve that? Uh, uh, therapy, sure. And living in California, honestly, I think you know New York will absolutely wear you down. And I was by the time I left there, I, I was at MTV for like four years, and I and I sort of started feeling myself getting less busy. Yeah, you know, and it's like you know, there's always a changeover, and I kind of felt it happening, and they were starting to hire new people, and I was I wasn't like I was under contract, I was getting paid, but I wasn't working as much. Yeah, and I kind of felt like, okay, this is probably it. So I was like, I went into my boss, and I was like, you know, I think I think I'm gonna like you know write out the rest of my contract and then move to LA and kind of start over, like. Like the breakup was definitely coming, but I was right. like, you know what? I think maybe we should take some time off. And like, and they were like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So I moved out here and I started. Just working. to be clear, I wanted to take the time. Yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my choice. It wasn't, but uh, so I, I ended up moving out here and I did a lot of shit that, um, like that was the reality of TV. Sure, you know, like MTV is a lot of it is live. A lot of it is you know by the seat of your pants. If shit goes wrong, that's like part of the charm and it's fun. You know, and then I started working on shows where it was like we would do little fifteen second you know commercial bumpers, and it would take all day because the you know because like because the lighting's got to be just so, and the framing of the shot has got to be just so, and like oh we got to you know change a leaf on that plant in the way you know on the third shelf way in the fucking back of the set or whatever, and it's like it's like it's I started to hate television right so i started to get back into doing improv and that kind of thing and it's uh yeah being out here for a couple years just sort of helped me kind of synthesize everything that i love and i started writing more and i started performing more and and uh you know out here there like you said there is a great community of people who just sort of do a little bit of everything you know who are sort of comics and sort of writers and sort of tv producers and you know they're all different shades of the same yeah this the the same mechanism right different expressions of the of the same thing yeah yeah and then it's just like as I slowly started getting happier, I think I came to the realization like a few years ago, like I'm allowed to be like happy and, and to be healthy and to be, you know, like I, I can uh, I think I grew up thinking that like being in shape or something is is for someone else. Right. Like that's like it's just, you know, like having a body that I'm happy with is a thing that another person does. <laughs> that's not for me. Right. I, and like, you know, ha- like writing and making that a career for myself or whatever is like that's for somebody else. It's not. You just go and get it. You know, you put yeah. in the work and you go and you get it. Yeah, I I, I really talking. do understand. But I understand what you're saying. I mean, I think when I was growing up, it, it was just more about I was just more into video games and chess club and right and sci-fi and shit like that then that i didn't it didn't occur to me to go out and you know i should you know exercise and try and then by the time i started to realize what that was all of the people who were you know in shape really you know in school Uh they were shitty to me because of the stuff that i was into and so then i associated like oh if you do that stuff you're a jock douchebag right and i don't want any part of that at all and it wasn't until i hit you know my early 30s when i was you know the worst like you know like you i was i was chubby and not taking care and it's that you know there's nothing wrong with being chubby but if it's the if but if that's the if that is the result of bad 
destructive choices. Yeah. That's the part that's not good. Right. So I, you know, I realize. Yeah, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not taking care of yourself. Well, you know, like we're. Taking care of yourself can look a lot of different ways. Well, we're getting to that age now where people, you know, like a lot of people our age fucking fall apart. Yeah. And I was, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get to this age and be like, well, I guess I better start figuring it out now. Mm -hmm. And it's harder the older you get. It's possible, but it's just, it's harder the older you get. But you still, you know, still always good to do it. Uh But um, yeah, so that's, that's, it was the same thing for me of like, oh no, it's, I'm doing it to feel better. Right. Right. The side effect is that you, Seem like you're more in shape, but uh-huh. you really should do it to feel. Because you, the older you get, the more you have to do stuff. Yeah, just to feel normal. Just to feel, yeah, just to get to like the baseline <laughs> of happiness and health. Yeah, and also, I mean, living in California really is. It makes it easy to go outside and do shit. You know, I mean, every single day you have a beautiful day. You can hop on your bike and you can go for a run. Or you can go for a hike or whatever. I don't know if I would be able to do what I've done living in New York. You know, like I do triathlons and stuff now. There's no way in the world I would do that if I lived in New York. You you're know living I mean? it. Uh, well, I think kind of, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, in New York, I would be able to be outside for you know two months a year, three months a year, something <laughs> right. like that. You just can't do it. I, I, and I think also just like general overall health wise, there was another dumb idea that I had stuck in my head for a long time, which was like I was out, but I I believed for some reason that there was some like benefit in never talking about it or acting like it. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just like dumb internalized homophobia. But the, like I, I think growing up, I felt like. Like, it's okay that I'm gay, but it's not okay to act gay or to talk about it or to, you know, uh, or, or to like, express it in any way, you know? Yeah. I, I remember once, like, uh, I was with uh, another gay friend and we were in, like, mixed company and he mentioned that somebody was attractive. And I was like, shh, like, don't. And then, it, like, in my head, I was like, wait, why am I shushing him <laughs> for acting like we a- we're supposed to act? What's, like, what's the cork that I have stuck in there? Like, there's no, you don't win a prize for, like, being the least gay gay guy in the world. You know what I mean? Let's not, you know, this doesn't come with a cash prize. So you should just fucking start like talking about it and expressing and, you know, like being, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I, I that was a dumb thing that was just sort of stuck in my head for a long time. And well, it's, a, I think, n- not just sexuality, but anything. It's it, it, any type of identity that you have, you know, you can create a lot of, I mean, I think obviously some of it is based on society, but some of it is also based on the stories we create in our own heads and the boundaries that we place there on what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. I mean, I, I think the the purest example of that is, you know, you can think something is catastrophic. Uh-huh. You had a conversation with someone and you said something and then later you're like, I don't, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean it that way. That could be misinterpreted. I uh-huh. And the next time you see the person go, you know, I didn't mean it. And they go, what are you talking about? Like, what they're not about. thinking about you. <laughs> yeah, ever, ever. So really, it's fine to be who you are. Yeah. You might as well be happy. Yeah, nobody's going to remember it. Like, they'll sort of remember how you make them feel, but they won't remember the things was your specifically bi- that was you your say. Biggest, was your biggest um, hurdle, obstacle with finding happiness, was it being comfortable with who you are and your sexuality, or was it something else? I think it was everything. I think it was... Uh, it was it was a lot of things. It was um, – I think that I feel like um, – I think that I feel like – Jesus Christ. Are we in a therapy session right now? Uh, it's your time, Dave. You can okay. make All it right. about whatever you want. Uh, I kind of always felt like the, the things that I loved were frivolous. You know what I mean? When, when you love – when you grow up like really loving pop culture, it's really easy to feel like 
the things you love don't mean anything, you know? Uh, if you're a young boy who knows everything about sports, then that's like, oh, you know, people kind of, like, praise that in a way. No one's ever going to tell a young kid who's really into hockey that they should be less into hockey. Right. You know what I mean? That's just never going to happen. But, like, if you're really into fucking the Carol Burnett show or whatever, right. you know, if you, like, really fucking know everything about Saturday Night Live, it's like, wh- why? Why? <laughs> What's wrong with you that you know all these, like facts and figures or that you care that you're emotionally invested in star wars or whatever the fuck you know um and i like i I don't know i don't i don't i didn't i don't think i ever like specifically got that message i don't think anybody ever sat me down and said that that's you know the way that it was but it's just you get that feeling growing up you know what i mean mean, you know like if you really love video games there's something weird about you right you know uh and i internalized that And and it took me a long time of living you know, of working in the television industry, of living in California, where I'm surrounded by people who love the same things I do, for it to like actually get inside me, and you know, you just it, didn't, you hadn't found your tribe. Yeah, yeah. It took a long fucking time to find my tribe, but I also, you know, I wasn't being uh, the truest version of myself, and you know, finding it. You know, this is sort of an ancillary, it's tangentially related. I, okay, I apologize. It was just something that pissed me Don't off you dare the other apologize. day, and I would like, and and now now that I'm thinking about it, it was a. It was all about um, the stuff that was going on in in Indiana, mm-hmm. and uh, and and you know there were there was uh, some business, some pizza place. Where yeah, the guy Memories was like, Pizza. Yeah, where the guy was like, uh, "Well, I mean, I just choose not to be gay." I'm like, "Yeah, no, you don't." Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like you could dismantle that argument in seconds. So like, okay, you're married to a woman. All right. Why are you married to this woman and not this woman? You know, people yeah. aren't fucking pandas. Yeah. You know, like you're attracted to what you're attracted to. Yeah. You, you, you are who you are. Like, are, you really think, I mean, yeah. and, and especially, don't want to say this, people's like, you know, being out is more, it seems to me to be, you have to face more dickheads like that in the world. Why would anyone choose to do something that's right. going to give them shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's. It it just like so many things about it you make know, me so fucking mad. There are two things about that. Uh, first, I think that that is a real. I don't know if this person is Catholic. I grew up Catholic. Yeah, me too. Um, it's there is a very like. I don't. I don't think people b- believe that they that you choose to be gay, but I do think that they think that you can just not. Like, if you have a sexual thing that's not the normal thing, just don't feel it. Don't have it. You know what I mean? Like there, there's sort of like oh, if you're angry or upset about something, don't be. Right. Instead, instead of being angry or sad, don't be angry right. or sad. Just right. turn it off. Don't feel. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just stop feeling? Yeah. Wait, what? Why? Yeah. Uh, so it's like there, there is a belief, I think, uh, among people, maybe like this guy who spoke, that like it's just that to be gay and to be out and to have like emotional and sexual needs or whatever is, uh, is like evidence of weakness. Right. You know what I mean? What you should be is strong and just... You know, cut it off entirely. What you should be is exactly how I think it should be. Uh Like, it's a very uh, narcissistic point of view to to have. For sure. To not understand. Like, even that a person couldn't go, you know, well, I don't don't have those feelings and I don't fully understand those feelings, but... That doesn't make them not valid. I mean, that that guy has a totally different experience than me. So why 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 are my feelings more valid than that guy's feelings? Right, right. Uh, The second thing. This is uh, uh, around the Memories Pizza thing. A couple of weeks ago, um, I fucking got hammered by some some super right-wing website or talk show or something. Because, okay, so the Memories Pizza thing, uh, they, 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 were like, they were interviewed by somebody on ABC News, and they were like, we wouldn't cater a gay wedding, which, 
why is that even a question? Who, right. who gets pizza at their wedding? Like, what is, <laughs> when did wedding pizza ever become a thing? So, like, that's not a question. I, right? I mean, it's like, you know, and now the delivery of the, of the wedding pizzas. And it's got you know the little I mean? bride and the groom. Yeah. And then you shove the hot pizza in someone's mouth yeah. of the bride, and then you burn her face. Cause right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hot grease. Yeah. Who loves it? Um, okay, so, yeah. So, I guess this ABC reporter was like, would you cater a gay wedding, which is a stupid fucking question. And she probably asked it to, like, a string of businesses. And then finally somebody was like, no, we wouldn't. And it became a big deal. And uh, and they, like, got a bunch of shitty Yelp reviews and a bunch of people said angry shit on Twitter and whatever. I mean, you know how, like, angry people can just fucking yeah. be. Uh, so, they closed down. The pizza place closed down because they were like – because, you know, people were like, we should burn the place down on Twitter. Right. Which, like, is – Awful, but it's not the same thing as a, a like credible arson threat. You know what I mean? If you're not a, if you're not social media savvy, right? And someone says that, like the thing about the thing about about non digital savvy people, right? Is they do take everything literally, right? And so I can understand. If they didn't understand how the internet works, and people say we're going to come burn your thing down, they you know, right? Also, kind of judging the type of people i assume they are be like they're gonna come and kill us you know right this person and here's her name said they're gonna come burn us down like arsonists do i just hope though i mean i i hope it was it was the one part of the story that i that kind of bummed me out a little bit for you know for what i would call our side of the Mm -hmm. story it's like guys don't do that because it just gives it gives the enemy ammunition to go sure. well look how irrational and crazy these people are right. when you know just because three people were like we're gonna light the place on fire like right. it, i feel like it sort of hurts the overall it, it tarnishes the you're the, absolutely the, the, right. the message you're absolutely right and it, yeah i mean it's it, that's awful it's, well, understand, it's bullying. understandable understandable the rage that for burns sure. but you for know. sure but uh, d- Talk to a friend. You <laughs> don't know what I mean? You're gonna burn a place don't say down. you're going to burn a place down. That's just fucking stupid. Even his internet speak like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, yeah, worse yeah. than Hitler. I'm going yeah. to kill it with fire. Like, right, right. You know, that's figurative. Right. Not everyone understands. Yeah. That. So they closed down. And then some right-wing talk show host person started to go fund me for them that, ra- like, within 48 hours yeah, raised like close to a million. Oh, no, close, close to a million? million dollars. Yeah, I thought like, it was like 40. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Close to a million Katie's dollars. Katie's mouth is agape. Yeah. It was like $850,000 or something before they closed it. So I – and I posted something on Twitter uh, suggesting that – I like I personally think the entire thing is – like the whole religious freedom thing that we're in right now, I think that is the biggest grift of all time. I, I, don't, I don't believe that anybody really believes that their religious liberty is, is being stifled or, or curtailed in Christians any way. Certainly in America. Yeah, you're you're good. You're fine. You're good. <laughs> no one is discriminating you're against good. you. <laughs> but it's just like it's it's you can't if you um you, you have to win the PR war and they've been losing the PR war. You can't beat like old lesbians getting married. You right. know what I mean? Like happy old lesbians who've been together for fucking 50 years who finally get to be married or whatever. Like you can't you can't beat that. There's no you don't have a face for your campaign. You don't have like there's nothing for you to rally behind. So I, I honestly believe that they cooked this shit up. Where it's like, well, well, what if a photographer doesn't want to do a gay wedding or, or whatever? Like, they, I really believe that it's, it's all – I think it's all a con. And, uh, and so I said something to that effect. And, uh, and then somebody picked it up and, like, and said, well, uh, it has been VJ, Dave Holmes, thinks that the Memories Pizza uh, front, people front are – Front-loading it right away. Yeah. To, like, and immediately I was like, okay, well, I know I don't need to read any further. But it was uh, – they were saying that I was saying that the pizza people, you know, started the entire – you know, grift, which I don't believe. Um, so for the entire rest of the day, people with like 
eagles as their avatars <laughs> were like calling me all kinds of tards, uh, like everything that ended in tard, and, like just by the hundred, like just all day long. It was one of those where it was like within a within ten minutes, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna turn my phone off for the rest right. of the day because Twitter is just not gonna be for me. Right. But I truly, like, I honestly. I mean, it was awful, and I wanted to write a follow-up piece. Oh, also, they were because I write for Esquire, they were like, uh, uh, this was written in Esquire by journalist Dave Holmes. No, it wasn't written in Esquire. It was on my Twitter account. I'm not a journalist. I fucking talk about, you know, the brat on Esquire sometimes. <laughs> Chill out. I'm just uh, glad someone is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was a really weird day. But I tr- and, and also, like, what I wanted to write, and still might, is that, this all happened. It was on Good Friday. I was home in St. Louis with my family. And like, you know, Catholic food service workers are going to have to serve people meat that right. whole day. They're, you know, if, if they're, you know, observant Catholics, they're not supposed to eat meat on Good Friday. But, you know, like if you work at McDonald's, you're going to give somebody a double cheeseburger that day if you're Catholic and, and devout. Right. That does not mean that your religious freedom has been impinged <laughs> in any way. In any way. It's just you're giving somebody else some meat. You know right. what I mean? Like it's and no and like where's their fucking parade? You well, know what I, I mean, think, where's their Newsweek cover? You know, I think there. I was reading, and again, you know, people who are much smarter with the law are free to correct me as much as they want to. But what I was reading about why Indiana was different in particular is because usually, uh, because a lot of states have have uh, uh, laws in effect. Uh-huh. They have legislation that that is similar. But Indiana was specific because it, it affected uh, businesses mm-hmm. as opposed to just personal freedoms. It was a business, and they were saying, you know, a business doesn't want to be sued because they deny someone service right. for for some reason. Right. Uh, you know, and in this case, uh, based on – that it could be interpreted to be used uh, against mm-hmm. sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, you know my, my first couple of thoughts are like, hey, you know uh, – if Memories Pizza doesn't want to serve gay people, don't sue them. Just fucking start. Basically, start um, uh, start intolerance Yelp, uh-huh. where you have a list of businesses and you can rate them yeah. based on how tolerant they are. Yeah. And if those businesses aren't tolerant, then you can decide to not give them your money, like fight consumerism with consumerism. Right. You know. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't think I would want to force someone to have to ser- – I would just be like, well, fuck you. I'm going to leave, and I, you'll never get my money right. again. You know? I agree, but then also, you know, what if you're fucking – you got a flat tire and, you know, nobody no, – none of the AAA drivers who will come and pick you up will serve a gay person. You're 100% right. You know what I mean? Like, you are you 150% can, right. Well, it's just, you know, I, I, I hate the slippery slope argument, but it's, no. it's one of these things where it's like, no. where does it really – No, you're at – you know, I – And it's also like – I mean, I truly believe that once, you know, once the dominoes fall and it's the law of the land, all of this shit is going to be over in, in three months. Nobody's going to give a fuck, like, where, who they're delivering wedding pizzas to or whatever. Like, it's, I, I, I really just don't believe anybody really cares. It's just, like, it's the, it's the kerfuffle of the moment. Um, but, like, right now... That same pizzeria. I don't know why we keep coming back to wedding pizza because it's still never been a. We're gonna thing make it a thing. Have. Okay, we're gonna make it a thing. Heart shaped wedding pizza. Uh, like you don't. Nobody. If you're if you're going for a marriage license at City Hall or whatever, and 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 the per, the clerk who's giving it to you is very. And I I'll go back to Catholic because that's what I know. You don't. She's not going to ask you, oh, did you get an annulment? Like, is this a second marriage? And did you get right. your first one annulled? And was it signed by a priest? Can I have a note from the priest? It's like they, she, she or he is not there to, like, make sure that the marriage license that he or she gives you 
conforms to their religious beliefs. Right. You know what I mean? They're not going to quiz you on, oh, well, have you, have you had sex before? Well, that's, I believe that's fornication. So, right. you know, your marriage is but built Dave, on a foundation of sand. But Dave, I in this land where we have separation of church and state. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. How could anyone? Right. But if somebody, somebody walked off the job right. because they didn't want to, like, no, that's a person's second marriage and their first one wasn't annulled. Right. They don't believe in, you know, remarriage or whatever. And they left. They, that person would not get a parade. That person would get fired. Well, and I would also, it'd also be interesting to see what would happen if you use that against, you went, oh, okay, well, I'm going to open a donut shop, but um, um, I'm not going to serve Christians. Yeah. You, just to see like what the, like what that, and again, I use this as a blanket term. I do not believe that all, that all Christians think that way. Uh-huh. I know that it's a, I, 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 I feel and I hope that it is a minority of people who happen to it be louder. Absolutely is. Uh, and so I'm not, you know, I'm not coming down. I think all oh, Christians, but that's not what I'm saying at all. I know right. it's a small, a small group, but I also, you know, it, it just, you're seeing similar arguments to, you know, 50 years ago, someone might be like, well, I don't want to get sued if I don't want to serve a black person. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, how is that? You know, when I would see these arguments blow up on comment threads and then a comment that I saw that fucking infuriated me was like, well, a black person doesn't choose to be black. And like, why? Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Close it's like, your laptop. This is where you just like, want to like, just like rip the comment threads out. Like, yeah. I want to, uh, you know what I think would be really fun is to market a set of, um, of internet balls, kind of like truck nuts. Uh-huh. And then when you see stuff online that pisses you off, you could just punch them. Yeah. That I could just punch the balls under my desk and be like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Oh, you know, God. like get I get to so, work on that. So upset. Mm-hmm. S- I mean, don't ever read a comment thread. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling this to you. No, I know. I don't know. ever do that. I know, but you know, sometimes ever. you get sometimes you get sucked in. Yeah, it's like know? cutting. I, I, I mean, I say don't do it. I, of course, will do it once in a while. But like when I do it, I recognize that I'm doing self-destructive <laughs> behavior. Well, like, this, I might as well be cutting. You know, what was interesting is that I got an offer to do a show in, in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, the story came out. Yeah. And I said to my manager, like... I can't go. Yeah. I can't do it because I don't, I feel, and then, and the other side of me feels bad because like, well, it's not the people's fault that would come to see me. For sure. I know that there are people that I would love to go connect with in Indianapolis, but so I was in this sort of weird, like, but I can't, I just feel weird. Yeah. I feel, it doesn't feel right yeah. right now. Yeah. But then, am I understanding correctly that they did carve out specifically the LGBT? I believe that they are trying to do that yeah. now. But the people who wrote the bill originally... Like, did it specifically for the reason that it's being used or that it will eventually be used. You know, right. like it is, it is, it is only for that. So it, it seems strange to me that they would pass that law and then pull out the most important part of it. I did like hearing that, um, you know, that there were even conservative people who were like, well, this is addressing a problem that doesn't really exist. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's not really, why are we spending? And I was actually very impressed by Walmart, who, when similar legislation in Arkansas mm-hmm. was happening, Walmart said, like, you can't do that. You don't – I mean, we we are the largest company in your state, and we are telling you that we do not support what you're doing. Right. Which actually kind of made me feel like, all right. You know, yeah. like, when you, I think, you know, even e- even in some cases, you know, we're not there yet winning all the legislation wars – but to see that at that high level of corporate America, that there are companies who, you know, aren't like even when I was at MTV, you know, 20 years ago, that it was much different back then. Mm-hmm. And now 
it's mu- you know people are more open about supporting the the LGBT cause. I right. just it feels nice. It feels nice. I know we're not there. I know it's not there yet, but no, it's better. We're not there yet, but it's it's we're at the point now where it's a good business decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just it just makes good sense to be on the right side of history. You know what I mean? I don't I don't think that anyone's heart has changed necessarily at Walmart. It's just, you know, it's just good business right now. I don't know? know. I feel like I feel like it's it seems to me to be incremental steps. You know, the more publicly accepted things are, the more the more people come out. Yeah. The more people come out, the more people are in positions of power. Uh-huh. You know, I'm sure, you know, every corporation has gay executives for sure and those executives are now starting to get into a place of power where it's like okay we need to really so i don't think it's i think it is also a commercial decision Mm -hmm. but i do think that spiritually i'm hoping that there's more there's more going on than just that yeah i i I hope you're right i think you're probably right but it's like it's primarily business i think yeah yeah i don't know god damn it yeah when when do we start recording oh we're not uh I thought we were just hanging out. We're oh, not okay. going to do a podcast. Okay, all right. That's cool. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> what if you were like, I don't want to uh, be on a straight person's podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I, I feel it's hateful. Uh, it just doesn't feel right to me. It just doesn't feel right to me. Well, it's, I think it's important because uh, I think it's important for you to be, a, and whether or not you want to be, I think it's important for you to be a voice in this because yeah, you well, have a very uh, articulate and and thoughtful way of expressing your ideas. Thanks. And I think it, I think it'd be very difficult if someone sat down with you and really talked or heard what you had to say or read an article and came away with it going, "Fuck that guy!" Or, you know, well, like you, 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 you know, one of your mutant powers besides comedy and your uh, lustrous hair oh, is uh, thanks, is man. your likability you. is off the charts. So I think that's it's very I think it's nice to well, but also you know it's we're living and I think this also has and has helped I think both of us. Uh, become better versions of ourselves. We can, we can like, we can put ourselves out there in a way that we couldn't when we were working in television for the first time. Like in 19, in the nineteen nineties, if you had something that you wanted to say, you would just, you know, you would say it to a friend or whatever. Right. But like if you had an opinion, it was like it was something that you would discuss, at a, you know, at a bar with a friend. You right. couldn't put it online online anywhere. Like I couldn't be. It's weird to me that I lived in a time before like blogs and Twitter and stuff. You know, I, I and like. I, I think I would have been uh, – I mean I definitely would have been out the way that I am online in 1998 if such a thing existed, but it didn't. And uh, and so in order to like – to be out and to have any kind of opinion about you know about the world, I, I needed the press to help me magnify of the course. sound of my voice. You know what I mean? And like – and for sure like the gay press wanted nothing to do with me, you know? Why? Because I was fat. What? Yeah, I mean, oh it's just, come on! Oh, for sure, though. I mean, like, I mean, I, I pick up any like print gay magazine or website or whatever right now, and it's like literally every gay news website. If Joe Jonas buys a new pair of shoes, it's it's uh, like on the front page. What about bears? It's the biggest and thing cubs in the world. And yeah, but that didn't, that didn't and... exist back then. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, if it did, it was way underground. Um, but like it's it's like still when I do shit, it's impossible for me to get anybody in the gay press to pay any attention. It's just I I don't. It, you have to be a very specific kind of pretty 
or a very specific kind of like fabulous. You know what I mean? You have to be kind of fashiony and snappy. Have and you ever cool thought about starting your own thing? That kind I of well, I kind of am. You know, but I mean, not like my own, not my own like brand like you have. Well, but... no, but I mean, like your own your own media outlets mm-hmm. that services the sides of the gay community that you feel like are not being serviced. Right. Right. Hmm. I mean, you have the pedigree for it, and right. you have the. Uh, I mean, you have the. You have the skills. Cool. Thanks. You man. could do it if okay. you wanted to. All I'm right, just maybe. saying, if maybe. you wanted to, maybe. But I also want to make it clear that I don't believe this issue is a is a is a partisan issue, or mm-hmm. it's not. It's not. I don't think it's a left wing or a, a, a right wing thing. I think it's just. I think to me, I see this issue as like it's a human issue. Uh-huh. This is a human issue. It's not a. It's it's so much more a human issue than it is a political issue, and I know. The political issue affects the human issue, but I just wish more people could see it as as a human issue and not, uh-huh. you know, left, right, this, that, this. It's like this is just we're just people, just yeah. people. Yeah. Can we just be happy? Can we yeah. Just be ha- it's fucking hard enough to be happy. Yeah. The world will put enough obstacles in your in your place. Like why? Why not just let? Why not just let fucking? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. getting. I don't know. Maybe as I'm getting older, I'm becoming a fucking huge hippie in terms of like, why can't we all just be happy? Well, but what the fuck is wrong with that? Nothing. nothing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I, I think it took me, and I think it takes a lot of people decades to see it as a human issue. You know, um, I think that I kind of always, uh, I know that I I wasn't more vocal when I was like first coming out and in the '90s and whatever because it felt like anytime I would mention my sexuality or who I was dating or whatever, it felt like, it felt like an issue I was bringing up and not just like a fact about my life. You also you don't, in, in those days, you also have no control over how, you had no control over what you said and how it was going to be presented because you weren't controlling the pen in a lot of those issues. Sure. Now, of course, you have, you have a direct connection to the world, so yeah. you can say exactly what you mean. Yeah. Nothing can be taken out of context if you're writing the article. Yeah, yeah. Um, where was I? Holy shit, I just completely lost my train of thought. What? I'm having a mild stroke. You were going to start uh, a blog oh, for... Shit. Well, I completely forgot what I was saying. You were talking about... Um, you were talking about uh, in the 90s... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't want to make it an issue. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a long time to... Yeah, to stop feeling like just mentioning... You know, mentioning simple facts of life was not like, oh, here we go again with the gay issue. You know what's weird? I, I hosted um, Attack of the Show for a couple of weeks right before it went away, you know, when they were sort of cycling people in and out after Kevin left. Yeah. And, uh, and I did it for like two weeks. And in that two weeks, literally one time, I, uh, like I had, I had just seen him, I think I'd just seen Looper and I mentioned that my boyfriend Ben and I had, had gone to see it. And that was it. And, and I read the comments, which I shouldn't do, which I yelled at you for reading the comments oh, about no. the show. And one person was like, enough with the gay shit already. <gasps> In 10 hours of television over two weeks, I said the word boyfriend one time. One time. Do you know how many times, I mean, it, when people, it, like, that says so much more about them, mm-hmm. of course, than it, does, than it does about you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, I could name 10 other things that people hear about in our culture way more. Yeah. Things like tits and sports and beer. And yeah. it's like, 
You know, you know, publicly people will go, oh, I get it. Yeah. It's baseball season. You know, yeah. does it have to be on every fucking channel, every fuck, you know? Yeah. And you yeah, make you one like comment. Yeah. I get it enough. No, you don't. Yeah. You clearly don't. You clearly don't. But I, that is also a thing that I internalized. I think I felt that way ever bringing it up. Like, oh, here we go again with this. You know what I mean? But it's not fair. It's a double I standard. I know it's not fair. I know it's not fair. It's a double standard. Right. And And also... Fuck that. You're who you are. Like, right. why are you not allowed to just be who you are right. without someone going, oh, I get it. You get it. You get that I'm just a human fucking being. Yeah. And I can be a person and express things the way you express things. Mm-hmm. But that takes work. It takes work. It takes work. Like, this you know, this culture really... It takes work to not be exasperated with shit. You know, like, fucking don't watch. You know, it's like, well, then don't watch. Like, if you're that... If your belief system is that fragile, uh-huh. if your fucking little ego is so eggshell that one person can say one thing and be like oh I get it like yeah. fuck you fuck and your you. fucking exasperation mm-hmm. I am exasperated so with your exasperation mm-hmm. but yours is yours has value oh, I need the death shitty. balls to fucking punch them right now let's do it let's do it <laughs> what, what kind of what kind of material are we talking um, I mean, a hard it, leather it, no it, no no I think it should be something that feels fleshy mm-hmm. it shouldn't be too hard mm-hmm. so that it, it, it like because you're gonna want it to feel like you're doing damage, yeah. Just to get the satisfaction, uh-huh. but um, so it can't be too hard. So you can really, but you okay. also don't want it to be too light because you really want to be able to feel the weight of yeah. the balls uh, being smacked, uh, like one of those stress balls. Uh, Two I, of those stress balls. I, guess. I think the stress balls are too. I think they're too light. I think okay. you know honestly. I think we're gonna have to go down to the pleasure chest and mm-hmm. say. Do you have some fake punching balls <laughs> before before the sentence is even out of your mouth? You will have like an array set before you. They have it all. I haven't been there in a minute, but we'll, I'm sure we'll market, they, we'll market them sure as internet balls. And, yeah. uh, you know, for so you can punch them. It'll be the I'm pet in. rock of the the aughts. Mm-hmm. Chris and Dave's internet balls <laughs> with a Z. Of course, with a Z. Obviously, with a Z. Why would you even ask that question? Obviously, with a Z. Yeah, why would you? I mean, if it were the 90s, we'd call them net balls, but, mm-hmm. you know, net didn't stick. Net. So, Remember the net? The net. Oh. The net. You know, you know it's they probably a, still say the net on CSI uh, Cybercrimes. I feel yeah. like that's a show where they're like, Have you read any? The net. The net. I, uh, Mark Lasanti on uh, Grantland re, uh, writes about CSI Cyber a lot. Like, he. <laughs> He hate watched it at first, and now he's hooked. Sure, and it's it. I, I kind of want to watch it now. I just that saw a su- there was a Gizmodo posted a supercut of someone posted, and then Gizmodo linked to it a, a supercut of terms that were used in CSI Cyber. You know, it's just like they say the word deep web a lot. Oh yeah, you know, and and there 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 are things that sort of it's almost like. It's almost like um, if you were writing a, a drama, but English was your second language. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there are terms that are technically accurate, uh-huh. but not necessarily colloquial. Right. So it's, uh, it is it is that sort of, you know, I think it's, uh, it's the inter- internet for non-internet people. Yeah. Yeah. For CBS watchers. <laughs> right? You got to make it understandable and in some way. And then people come around again who want to hate watch it, uh-huh. and then they get sucked in. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, come do the Friday 40 sometime. I'd love to. I would Please. love to. We're doing the second Friday of every month. I would love to. If I'm if I'm if I'm in town when you're doing it, I, I'll figure out the next time I'm in town when you're doing it. I would love yeah. to come do it. You would be a dream contestant. It would be it would be really fun. And are you, you not uh, drink beer? Are you are you still doing? Um, are you still actively doing improv now? And I think I'm about to come back from a break. I what? took a break a few years ago because I got a little burnt out. Um, I loved it, but I just I you know I mean you kind of it gets a little. 
you know, samey after a while. Of course. You know, especially when you're like, you know, I get frustrated because the community here is so great. Like there's so many fucking funny people and talented people. And like I was getting to a point where I was watching the funniest, most talented people I know like do shows for the same 35 people week yeah. after week. Yeah. And it's like, at, you know, you when you do a really good improv show, which I was lucky enough to do because I was, I was put on good groups with people who took care of me. And, and, <laughs> and uh, when you do one of those, you, it scratches an itch. Like it, you, afterwards you feel like you've, you've done something, you know? So like the creative urge inside of you, the urge to like write something or make somebody laugh or to get on stage and, and perform or whatever, the, improv can kind of scratch it. So you get off stage and you don't feel it anymore. And the hunger goes away a little bit. And, and if you don't, if you're not like, if the place where you're performing isn't, you know, isn't thinking about their marketing and isn't thinking about getting new faces in and isn't thinking about promoting the talent that they have, then it's just, you're just kind of flushing it down the toilet. And I, I just was <laughs> watching that happen. I was feeling it happen to myself and I was like, I need to fucking take a break. You need to take a break. Um, but I, I took a, a class at Nerdist. With, you did? Uh, yep. With um, Monica, uh-huh. uh, who's fantastic. Derek Miller is fantastic. I think I'm about to take another... Uh, Class at UCB. I just went to their new space on Sunset. I haven't I been to the been new there. space yet, but I heard it's pretty spectacular. It's really nice. Yeah, it's really nice. Like a couple of nice big theaters and and like a coffee shop, and it's just it's just a cool community. That's good. And I think they really, I think they really have it together marketing wise. I think Ptolemy and Derek have it really together marketing wise for yeah. artist. Um, so it's really nice to see you know to see people fucking take the ball and run with it. You know, because there are so many talented, funny people here. You well, know? I'm glad to hear that you're going to – I'm glad to hear you're going back. I think I'm going to go back. I'm going to give it a try. Why not? You know? It's it's good. It kind of – you know, um, it, it's good for idea generation and stuff. You well, know? Do you want to promote stuff while you're here? Anything? Uh, the 40, sure. The 40? Second Friday, Friday 40, of every month? May 8th is the next one uh, with Aaron Gibson and uh, – Justin Willman. Yep. We'll be there. I know both of them. Both uh, fantastic. Fucking fantastic people. Um, yeah, that is a that is the great joy of my life. Performing with Scott Gimple is the best. He is the funniest guy in the world. Like the it's the best kept secret <laughs> that he is legitimately the funniest person on the planet. And uh, do Walking Dead people come out? They sometimes do. We just had Ross uh, Marquand. On yeah, the Ross show. is great. Ross is so great. Um, yeah, have we had, had Josh McDermott yet. We have not. We have not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, um, I think, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, like, uh, I probably shouldn't, I think Scott wants to avoid the, the perception of playing favorites by having people from the show on the live show. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Because like, I think that could get messy. Like, oh, well, how come that person's been on the show and I haven't? Yeah. You know? Um, if you got a big cast and especially a show where, you know, you could die at any moment, I would imagine that that would be a stressful thing to do to a cast. But Ross and I knew each other independently and and I I got him on the show. So I I don't know if we'll have, I hope we have more walking dead people. They may have to be people who are dead. (laughs) They may have to be people who are no longer in the cast, uh, just to, uh, you know, to like uh, avoid the, you know, any perception of impropriety or whatever. Um, but we, we also want to try to get like more comic booky type people that, that doesn't happen to be my world, but like I, you know, uh, I would love to get some comic book creator type folks and bring that audience. There in. are some who listen to this podcast. So hopefully Great. Where, where can people find information about this online? Uh, you just follow me at Dave Holmes. I, I promote it. Fantastic. Endlessly. And I um, hope, I hope that no one in our comment threads is like, Oh, I get it with your opinions. Like, yeah. the, of course, the reflexive mm-hmm. 
I wonder what that mechanism is. I wonder what it is. It's, it's uh, so it's disrespectful. Pu- <laughs> well, you know what it is? It's punching internet nuts. <laughs> it is punching internet it is, nuts. I mean, it's just like, you know, somebody... Re- and it happens to me. Like, I read something that I don't agree with, and I want to respond. I, I happen to know now, from trial and error, that that's just flushing my time down the toilet. Right. There's no fucking reason to do it. The internet is just... A, it's, it is a... Never-ending cycle of people learning the same lessons over and over. You know, like there's a new bunch of people who are going to come in and make angry comments. And then three months from now when they keep doing it, they're going to notice the empty feeling that they have inside. And they're going to stop doing it. But they will be replaced <laughs> by a brand new bunch of people who haven't learned that lesson. Yeah, it's just, it's just funny to me that I – like what you said is so unbelievably true that you could say one thing and then you get the, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I don't – what? I just – I'm just talking. I mean, we're not, no one's, no one's, you know, like it's not our goal in this podcast to bum people out or purposely, you know, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, single someone out and be like, Uh, we're just going to do this just to piss you off. Yeah. We just felt like the world had not heaped enough shit on you. So we're like, let's just throw one more nugget of corn on this shit pile. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No one's, you know, it's, it's funny how. In the, in the process of just being that you get accused of like, why are you trying to, why are you doing? Like, I'm not doing, I'm just my, I'm just being, we're just yeah. being. I'm just talking the way that you talk. We are talking the way you talk. We yeah. are doing nothing. Yeah. And I'm doing all the things that you do, but you don't notice you do because <laughs> or, a fish doesn't notice water. Or you justify it because it's you and you're different because you're above the rules that you set for the rest of society. Right. Right. Oh, Dave Holmes. But I do like to believe that, uh, that the majority of people are good and that, that I totally agree. Hopefully, hopefully, goodness yeah. prevails. When you read one terrible thing, it, that's just one frustrated person out of a sea of millions of probably wonderful people. You know, I don't know if I ever told you this, um, but the um, seeing you at uh, Andrew Koenig's funeral, yeah, service uh-huh. was very. Uh, I don't know for some reason because you because you're such a warm, positive entity. Huh. It made me feel, it was like, oh, Dave's here. Like, I don't know, it made me feel a little bit better. Oh, good. Well, thanks. It was very sad. It was. That is still very sad. And it's not like I was, I mean, I didn't know Andrew really, really well, but I knew him. I knew him. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he was such a sweet guy. Yeah. And uh, and the whole thing was still kind of surreal to me. When I still think about it, I'm like, oh, that happened. Like, I still can't fully. And it's still, you know. When things like that happen, you think about like, oh, what could I have said and what could I have done and whatever. And it's you know, I'm I just ran into somebody, uh, the like an old friend of mine who I kind of feel like is in bad shape. I should, probably shouldn't say this into a microphone, but whatever. We don't have it's, to name them. And yeah, no, it's it's vague enough. But it's like it's one of those one of those kind of situations where it's like right now I feel like in a year I might be upset at myself for not having said anything, but sure. you kind of can't, you know, I mean, you, you can offer help and stuff, but you know, what's going to what happen you, is going to happen. I think what you can do is say, um, can I help? You yeah. know, I'm always here. I yeah. think you can, I think because if you force yourself too much onto someone emotionally, that can have bad results. For sure. Um, if someone's not ready to, you know, so I think the best thing that you can do is, make yourself available unless you know that someone is legitimately hurting themselves, you know, with, (laughs) with substances or or something where you could have an intervention and say like, you know, this is a thing that you should stop. But if someone is under emotional distress, then, um, it's, it's difficult. The best, the best thing I think you can do is make let them know that you're there. Right. Don't be too imposing, 
but let them know, like, I am here, honestly. Yeah. And then every once in a while, you know, if I have friends who are struggling with stuff, every every couple days I'll just check in and go, just when you know I'm thinking about you. Yeah. Just making sure you're okay. Yeah. Just to let them know that they're still they're still significant and that I'm still here if they, you know, yeah. if in this whatever they're struggling with, they they need they need something. Uh-huh. But it's but it's difficult. You cannot force people to no. to do stuff. No. So no. This is a bummer. Let's keep talking about MTV in the nineties. What did you <laughs> oh, uh, what did you wear? When did you start dressing cool? <laughs> when did I start dressing cool? I don't know. I went through every season of Singled Out was a different wardrobe. Yeah. Odyssey. Uh-huh. It was like gas station shirts at first. And then the Did next you... season I was I tried to dress up. Uh-huh. I, I for some reason tucked sweaters into pants, which was Ooh. I don't recommend. Big buckles? Yeah. You sure. know it. You know it, brother. Sure. Did you enjoy that process of like wardrobe and and all of like the vanities yeah i mean i i guess i did because i didn't really have i don't really feel like i had much of my own style yeah parts of me are still the same as when i was in in college which is i have a bunch of cartoon (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts you know but it wasn't i mean i think at the time i just didn't even know who i was I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was for. I didn't even. I mean, I'm still figuring it out, but I didn't right. even start figuring it out until in well into my 30s. I yeah. mean, so back then, I think I was just trying on as many shells as possible. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know if did you have the same experience? I had the exact same experience. Yeah, and I, I just like I I believed that people who knew um, clothes would make better decisions than I would. <laughs> right. I rarely said no. You right. know, um, and. Uh, you know, and the and still like the idea of getting free stuff was just too enticing and wonderful. So like, you know, if just like free clothes, I don't care. I'll wear them. Right. Sure. Free. Yeah. Give me that guayabera. Let me dress like Chandler <laughs> Bing from Friends. It's free. I don't give a fuck. Um, yeah. It, it was it was very strange. And I and I you know at the time because I was not happy with the way that my body looked. I, I it was painful for me to like see myself on television. You know, um, I I too tried so many different hairstyles just i was just trying to do anything to make myself like look and feel good and it just never it, at that stage in my life it didn't quite work it's kind of fun when you go through that journey publicly oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah and it, yeah and and it, you know when i was there it was like the dawn of i started in 1998 and so like mtv.com was like an area on like aol Right, it was like a page on AOL, yeah, and uh, and like little, you know, for the fourteen-year-old girls who watch the network would like, you know, create little profiles and whatever, and say awful shit, you know. That was like the the the, the first message boards and and whatever were sort of right around that time. I remember, right? I the, I remember the 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 week I started at the beach house uh-huh. in nineteen ninety four. There was. Uh, there was dial-up internet in the, in the house. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously you could dial up anywhere, but it, uh, you know, I don't know. It was I think it probably ran at like fourteen uh, four or something. It was yeah. or ninety. It might have been like ninety six hundred or fourteen four uh, and uh, K fourteen four K. And we were given AOL accounts yeah. through MTV. So I think I had uh, MTV Wick was my AOL first username. Uh-huh. Because you could only do like ten letters or something. Right? Yeah, and then my private one was craptastic, Fantastic. and then I ended up I ended up losing that. But yeah, it was and it was all it was all um, 
chat rooms. You know, chat rooms were the places, and so you'd you'd find a chat room with a title that seemed enticing, and then you'd go in, and you know, mm-hmm. at the time, honestly, most of what was being said in the chat rooms was "R.I.P. Kurt Cobain." <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and of course, "Fuck you, you suck." Uh huh. Uh-huh. You know, I did, I did, I did that. Uh, did that uh, ego thing where I went on and like, what do you guys think of Chris Hardwick? You know, oh boy, that's the worst. It was. I've done it, and I got exactly what I deserved, mm-hmm. which is yeah. fucking sucks. Punched in the balls. Piece of shit. Yeah. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Not funny. Yeah. Did you did you take that to heart? Of course. Yeah. Because you know, I'm old enough to have experienced. I mean, there's still this idea. I think kids who grew up with the like just grew up where where there's always been an internet. Uh-huh. There's a certain detachment that I think a lot of them have from it. Not all, but some. And but I still remember, like, if you say something to someone, those words have weight. Like, if I just walked up to you and I'm like, "You're dumb. Your shirt's dumb. Your hair's stupid. You're a piece of shit." And you're like, "Wow, what the fuck?" You know. And so I think people of I think the Gen Xers, a lot of us feel that it's like that. It's like walking up to. But then you know you pin some of these people down, and they're like. Why do you care what some dipshit on the internet says? I'm like, well, I don't yeah. know, because we're people, and you should, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not made of wood. Yeah. It's a thing that somebody said to me. Yeah, it's, it's a me. rude thing. You like, you were trying to be as rude as possible to someone that you don't know, based on very little information, and it, I, I don't know. It's just like it seems, it seems bad to me. Yeah. What's, why is that not? A, why is why am I on trial for, you know, having my feelings hurt? Right. Right. But it can't uh, help it. Don't go on comment threads. Ever, don't don't ever, Google yourself. Ever. Don't secretly we ask. We will both do it again, but don't. You know, don't. I remember doing a version of that when three-way calling first launched where you would have your friend call a girl oh, you like sure. and then you would you would hide on the third line. Yeah. And Oh, uh, that's just the worst. Yeah. That's a terrible idea. She figured it out. That's a terrible idea. She figured out what was going on right away. Oh boy. Is Chris on the other line? Mm. No. Who's breathing? Yeah. <laughs> God. That's... Who is weeping softly into the phone? <laughs> I can hear tears crackling. The landline, we didn't we just called them phones back mm-hmm. then. We didn't have terms like landline. Yeah. All lines were landlines as far as we were concerned. It's very weird to me that we lived in a time before the internet. Like it, I still have to remind myself of that. Like when I'm watching an old movie, I still have to kind of not even that old a movie, like uh, reality bites. Like it's, it's that movie could be Downton Abbey. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, nobody has like there's nobody has a computer. Nope. Nobody has a cell phone. Nobody had like nobody's texting anybody. It's like they had shoulder pads. Though, they had shoulder pads for sure. But like if you wanted to like hear your messages, you had to go home mm-hmm. and press a button and hear them. Or if you were lucky, you could call. You could use a payphone to call your machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I that was uh I was never going I wasn't going to get a cell phone. I was going to be like the guy who doesn't have a cell phone. Um be, like I just, I don't know why I had to be in my bonnet about cell phones. And uh in 1999 I was uh I went to a payphone to like call my home machine to see where my roommates were cuz it was like Friday and happy hour time or whatever. And I uh and I picked up the phone and there were there had been a rash of uh ketchupings. Of uh, New York City payphones, uh-huh. uh, kids would put ketchup on the ear and mouthpiece, <laughs> and then watch from a window uh, some poor sap get. And I got fucking ketchup, <laughs> and it was like deep in my ear canal <laughs> and in my mouth. 
It was real bad. <laughs> and even just the idea of of any type of substance smearing from a public uh-huh. utility. I mean, it's basically if you're a germaphobe, that's yeah. the worst thing that can if happen. If you're to not you. a germaphobe, which I'm not, it's still the worst thing that can happen to you. It's terrible. I bought a cell phone the very next day. The very next day, ketchuping ushers in new age of cellular usage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. You know, it'd be fun to know what those kids who catch up to you are doing now. They're working at television Heinz? networks. Oh, okay. Yeah. They went on to the Heinz Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> good use of the product. But it was, uh, it was really good catching up with you. Oh my and God, Chris, this has been a pleasure. And I hope that uh, I, will, I would love to come to your show. And, and I yeah, hope, please. I hope I see you around comedy. Be in it. You should come yeah. do uh, the beta test show on Monday nights. If you want to fuck around. Well, if you if you if you want to work out any stand up or monologue or anything okay. like that, it's basically you get twenty minutes, but you have to do new stuff. Okay, cool. It's just working it's a lot out. of time. You don't have to use all twenty minutes. You can use ten. Oh, you just get up to twenty minutes. Okay, yeah. I got to tell you this. I uh, I do I did like a tiny bit of stand up here and there um, for a minute. It was basically just storytelling. But, yeah. Um, I did uh, I did a show at the Improv, and somebody else who was on that bill. Um, and it was like the third time I'd ever done stand up, but I just knew the person who was booking it and I got up and it went well and, and whatever. So, uh, somebody else who was on that bill hosts a show up in Ventura County. There's that Ventura County comedy club or yeah. the, the Ventura Harbor. It's like lit on the docks. And, uh, and so she was like, yo, you should come and do my show. I was like, great. I'll go up and do it. And so I did. And, uh, and I showed up and the show was beginning. She's like, you're a headliner. Uh, you have whatever it was like 40 minutes. <gasps> I don't have 40 minutes worth of stuff, but like that was, that was the fucking plan. And, uh, and I was the headliner and I was up there for 40 minutes or whatever it was. Hooray with, improv skills. Yeah. With maybe six minutes of material for like, for dock workers. Well, how'd it go? Uh, not well. Okay. Not well at all. <laughs> like, and in the end it turned out fine. Yeah. No, I mean it was, it was probably better than I think, but it was, it was pretty mortifying. And like I grabbed my like fifty dollars or whatever in cash and ran. And you've not been back to Ventura since. I've not been back to Ventura or to stand up. I, I do a little bit. I do like you know, like I say, like storytelling shows and that kind of thing. But so not the, you're not go the back traditional stand up. Dock workers, the show of that life. You know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to redeem myself. All right, good in Ventura County. Also, I'm working on a show for Ovation called yes. American Canvas. We did three episodes. They should be rerunning or on demand. It's kind of a travel arts show. On a network called Ovation that I uh, that I love, we went to San Francisco and Austin and Miami and talked to artists and dancers and chefs and whatnot. It was great. All right, the end. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. As Dave Holmes signs the first page. Oh, thank you, Chris Hardwick. This was a joy. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.